So let's, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this is probably the latest we ever started this, but we're going to talk about fasting for the next few weeks. Uh, tonight, obviously, New Year's Eve service is a totally different topic. Uh, but we're going to talk about fasting, and you know, as we typically do. Um, it's one of the most uh, cherished traditions uh, we have as a church. And, 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 I, and I, would, I would like to think that, uh, again, because of your obedience as a body, I'd like to think that we've actually influenced and impacted a lot of congregations uh, all through Hong Kong who are also partaking in, in uh, uh, beginning of year fast. So Matthew chapter 6, uh, 16 to 18. And so Jesus told, told the people, it says, Whenever you fast... Do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will be not noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here's the message version. It says, When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God... Don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo, comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you well. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for uh, just watching over us, Lord, throughout this whole year. I can't believe uh, 2023 is coming to an end, and uh, we look forward to this next year coming. Uh, And, Lord, we just pray, God, that we would come into it, God, full of your presence, God, full of your glory. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit, come and touch us now. Lord, release the revelatory ministry of the Holy Spirit in this room. Lord, give us an ear to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit is saying to each one of us individually and corporately as a body. Lord, I humble myself today. I ask that you use me to preach your prophetic word with power and authority. Help me, Lord, not just convey your words, God, but convey your heart. God, we thank you. We love you in this house, God. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Every major endeavor we've, we've ever carried on as a church was actually started and inaugurated by 21 Days of Fasting. Um, I moved here uh, to uh, Hong Kong. My wife and I moved here. I got here in November of 2002. My wife came in um, December of 2002. Uh, you know, remember, we were part of the English ministry of Hong Kong Korean Church. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, in a month, I, you know, I was doing regular teaching. And then in December, I started a series on fasting. And I announced to our six people that were in our church at that time, uh, that, that starting January 2nd, we're going to do a 21-day fast. And during that time of a 21-day fast, we're going to ask God what to call our church. And we're going to ask God to give us a vision for what we're going to be uh, as this new church is beginning. And so that's what we did. Uh, uh, I, I think our six members did it very reluctantly, uh, but they did it, uh, which is something. And so we got together and we started Solomon's Porch in February of 2003 after uh, 21 days of fasting, uh, moving from one service to two services, uh, starting house churches, uh, moving here to, to uh, China Chem Plaza, uh, starting the Vision Fund, um, uh, SP Beijing, SP Singapore, SP New York, uh, then starting the third service, 
uh, and then SP Shanghai, SP Tokyo, SP Korea, starting of all different ministries, our inner healing ministry, all these things, they all started after a season of fasting. When we consecrated ourselves before the Lord and asked God for his agenda, asked God for what he wanted to do, and it started from that. When we talk about our SP DNA or who we are as a church, you can't talk about that without talking about the discipline of prayer and fasting. Fasting is one of the most misunderstood spiritual disciplines today. Um, Here's a quote by James Packer. This is what he says. He says, in Scripture, we see several purposes for fasting. It's part of the discipline of self-control. It's a way of sharing that that we depend on God alone and draw all our strength and resources from Him. It is a way of focusing totally on Him when seeking His guidance and help and of showing that you really are in earnest in your quest. It's also at times an expression of sorrow and deep repentance, something that a person or community will do in order to acknowledge failure before God and seek his mercy. Um, you know, when I started sharing on fasting, you know, over 20 years ago, uh, there was hardly any information out there. Now, I mean, even secular people are really good at fasting. It's become kind of a trend uh, in the tech industry. Um, but for a lot of people, sadly, I would say a lot of Christians, you know, the idea of someone actually fasting seems odd to most 21st century Christians. You know, this topic of fasting has probably brought me personally as a pastor probably the most stress in terms of phone calls that I get. And, it, and it, I mean, thankfully, it hasn't happened in a few years But almost every year, I get some mom, you know, of one of our college students. And basically, the college student goes back home and tells mom, hey, I'm I'm not going to eat for 21 days. And she's like, why? You know, oh, because my church pastor told me to. You know, and so then I get this phone call. And sure enough, the mom, who is a Christian, you know, who faithfully goes to church, gets really upset with me that I'm, I'm forcing their daughter, you know, basically to, in her mind, go on a hunger strike or something like that. And, and I have to just very gently remind them that this is a biblical concept, right, that it's all over the Bible, that the early church, uh, you know, and they're still not convinced, you know, uh, at this. And, you know, and all kinds of uh, crazy things happen because for most people fasting, uh, especially I would say most Christians, you know, most people in, in the world you talk about fasting, they're like, oh, you mean cleansing? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, and it's just such a simple thing. But something with religious people, it really, it really like just bothers them. Because for many times it's been associated with fanatics, you know, extremists, you know, medieval Christianity. Uh, many times it was a weapon of passive resistance. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, very famously we, we know Gandhi uh, used this tactic uh, in the United States, there was a farmer named uh, uh, Cesar Chavez that, that did this uh, for rights of farmers all over California. In Hong Kong, you remember uh, before the protests got really bad, a young man named Joshua Wong also uh, fasted as a, a weapon of passive resistance. Uh, to some, fasting and starvation are synonymous, and it, you know, they feel like it's going to have some kind of detrimental effect on our bodies. Some people say, man, you could seriously impair your health right, if you don't um, give it enough food. With such a, a busy life, 
you know, you're going to get run down. And, 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 you know, surely you shouldn't be fasting. And you probably hear this from all kinds of people if you talk to them about this. But our early apostles, our early church fathers, viewed fasting as an absolute necessity, especially in times of difficulty. John Calvin, uh, his seminal theological work, which is called Institutes, and in his book, Calvin writes this. It's, it's written over many different volumes. Uh, interestingly enough, it was written when he was very, very young. And uh, I would say if Calvin wrote that book again as he got older, he'd probably change half of it. Uh, so let's read this quote. He says, in general, he said, we must hold that whenever any religious controversy arises, which either a council or a cle- ecclesiastical tribunal behooves to decide, whenever a minister is to be chosen, whenever, in short, any matter of difficulty and great importance is under consideration. On the other hand, when manifestations of the divine anger appear as pestilence, war, and famine, the sacred and salutary custom of all ages has been for pastors to exhort the people to public fasting and extraordinary prayer. All through the history of the church, whenever the church has faced difficulty, one of the first things they did was pray and fast. It, it was our M.O. in many ways. And, and, and to touch upon some kind of modern history, many of us, I mean, obviously, COVID is very real. Uh, we just went through it. You know, before then, we had SARS. You remember? It happened in 2004. Uh, I remember uh, very well because, uh, no, it happened in 2003, I think, because uh, it happened right when we first started the church. And so, um, and crazy enough, you know, you know what happened was, and, and I don't think this is coincidental, the, the, the church in Hong Kong entered into a season of fasting. And they had recruited all different people. We were not really connected to any churches, so we didn't know. Uh, I just heard this after the fact. But we would have, we would have surely joined uh, had we known back in those days. Uh, and, uh, you know, they went through this. And if you remember, SARS just kind of died almost instantly overnight. And uh, when they found the cure or, or whatever, you know, uh, the concoction of medicines to, to help alleviate these things... It was actually at the end of a 40-day fast that the church did in Hong Kong. I don't think that was a coincidence at all. And so when SARS happened, I started reaching out to a bunch of pastors. And I was wondering, hey, when are we going to do that again? You know, when are we going to come together and fast, you know, like as a whole country, you know, uh, against this, this, this uh, uh, SARS thing? When are we going to do it? And you know what I heard? It was, I was so sad. I mean, I was so sad. And pastors, you know, local pastors, international pastors, they said, it's not going to happen this year, Sam. And I was like, why not? You know, don't you remember, you know, years ago, because I remember this story. This happened, and, and it says, well, you know what happened is the protests so divided the body of Christ. The protests so divided churches and families there's absolutely no unity in this city at all. And so we can't, there's like, we can't even have a citywide function where we can gather together to pray and fast. And I was like, really? I, I, I couldn't believe it, but it was a true statement. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that if, we, if the church did that, something would happen. I don't know. Maybe I am saying that. You know, but, but it, whenever there's been difficulty, the MO of the church has always been to get together to pray and fast and seek God's face. 
You know, in, in previous years, I, I, would, I would spend a lot of time talking about science and these things and, and what, you know, what fasting does to our body and, you know, the IGF-1 growth factor and, you know, how this hormone changes and how your, your DNA is repaired and stuff like that. But now there's so much information out there. You know, I, I, it, 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 cool thing is I don't have to convince people that fasting is good for you, you know, and, and, and um, I, I, was, I was in uh, Vietnam last week. Um, uh, on, a, on a family a holiday, my dad and my brother's family came. We had a wonderful time. And so I went golfing uh, one of the days and just went out to the course and, and just played. And um, one, of the, uh, one of the caddies, not my caddy, but uh, my, the guy that I was, I was sharing the cart with, um, uh, they asked me, oh, how old are you? And I said, how old do I look? <laughs> you know, as we always do. And she looked at me and said, you look 40. And I said, you're my favorite caddy ever. <laughs> you should be my caddy all the time <laughs> and things. And, and so, and I told her, no, actually, I'm 56 years old. And she almost fell back, right? I'm not saying this to pump myself up, even though I do feel pretty good about myself, you know, sharing this story. But you know, she literally almost fell back. And she goes, what's your secret? And, and I was you know, I was, we were golfing, I was, I was riding around, I was thinking about that, what, what is my secret? You know, and it dawned on me, well, you know, I mean, I, I don't particularly eat that well, right? I eat a lot, <laughs> but that's, that doesn't mean I eat well. Um, you know, I have a salad once in a while, um, but, uh, you know, and I exercise, yeah, but I actually don't really like to exercise, I like to play, and so I don't think, I don't think it's that, and, you know, I don't particularly sleep all that great, um, especially now that we have a baby at home, right? Uh, she like woke up like five times last night and things, praise the Lord, you know? And, uh, um, and so, uh, you know, and, I, and it dawned on me as I was driving, I was like, actually, I think it's because I've been fasting since I was 25 years old, right? And I've been doing extended fasts almost every single year since I was 25. Right when I first heard about fasting, you know, right when I first, and just, just, con, just continually, you know, I, I know most of us fast 21 days at the beginning of the year. Uh, I, I, I fast throughout the year, and, and I know some of our church members do as well, you know, all different kinds. And I think that's what's kind of kept me youngish in that way. Uh, towards the end of our round, I think we're like whole 17, my caddy, you know, uh, he came up to me, and he goes, you're my idol, right? Like, like, I want to be like you, uh, just in terms of, I guess, uh, age-wise, because definitely not my golf, right, uh, and things. But it was, it was just so fun, you know, and I realized, yeah, because, you know, I've, I've been teaching for 20-some years that it repairs your DNA and it, it helps your body and stuff, and it's true. It's true, right? Many of us are, are here in that way. You know, uh, even fasting within 24 hours, right, reduces glucose levels, uh, it, I mean, it's so good for you. And, and it, it, like, and, and th- this, is, this is a question that you have to ask yourself, okay? Would God ask you to do something regularly that was harmful to your bodies? God who created our bodies knows exactly what our bodies need. If God asks you to do something, don't you think that there's some crazy good benefits you know, that they come through that. And, 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 and look at through the, all through the scriptures, men and women have fasted. 
Moses, David, Daniel, Elijah, Hannah, Anna, even Jesus himself. Right? Throughout history, beyond denominational and theological lines, you had Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, you know, David Brainerd, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney. I mean, you have the gamut of theology right there, going all the way from super conservative reform to Pentecostal charismatic. And, and, but they all fasted. It's amazing. There's three types of fasts uh, that we'll go through. If you're, if you're thinking about what you should be doing, the first one is what we call a normal fast. It's just a normal fast. This is basically abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. And so uh, when, we, when, when people talk about, like, Bible, when we talk about fasting, they're actually talking about a water fast. That, that, that's a normal fast. And in Matthew 4, 2... It says, and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Notice it didn't say he became thirsty, right? So he was drinking during that time. So the word to fast primarily means not to eat. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's the word nesteo. The, the ne is a negative prefix, and the esteo means to eat. So basically, fasting means no eat in a very simple way. And so in Luke 4, 2, it says he ate nothing. It didn't say he drank nothing. And he says he was hungry, he wasn't thirsty. And so when we talk about fasting, I mean, typical, a normal fast is basically no food. There's also the second type of fast, which is called the absolute fast. And the absolute fast is abstaining from drinking as well as eating. And so this is a, a, a very, very different kind of fast. And we see this. It's, it happened through the scriptures. I'll just give you a few. Ezra 10.6, Ezra fasted and mourned over Israel's unfaithfulness. In Esther 4.16, Esther fasted to end a threat to Israel. In Acts 9.9, Saul fasted for three days. In Deuteronomy 9 uh, and 18, Moses, he did it twice. Can you believe that? He went on, 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 on back-to-back 40-day absolute fasts. In Exodus 34, 28, Moses did it for 80 days. Can you believe, uh, this is totally supernatural. In 1 Kings 19, 8, Elijah ate a cake, you know, a piece of bread uh, from an angel, and then he fasted 40 days, an absolute fast, while he was climbing Mount Oreb in the blazing uh, desert sun. Uh, I mean, totally supernatural. This is an exceptional measure for an exceptional time. Uh, I did this probably, I forget when, maybe 2019, uh, if I recall, or 2018. Uh, I forget exactly what circumstance, um, but I really felt the Lord asked me to, to, to go do, do an absolute fast. And so I didn't, I didn't drink any water. Uh, I didn't eat any food uh, for four days. And, uh, um, and it was, I mean, it was, it was actually a pretty amazing experience, I would say. Uh, and, and you would think, okay, your body should really get worn down. Actually, I would say no. Uh, I did a, I did a four day absolute fast. I ran every single day to church in the morning. I would run, you know, what, what, five kilometers or six kilometers, come to church, do EMP. You know, the only water that, that, uh, I put in my mouth was to brush my teeth uh, during that time. And it was totally supernatural. I had so much energy, right? But it's, a, it's an exceptional measure for an exceptional time. 
And so you have to, be, you have to make sure that God is leading you. And, but I'll tell you, the first glass of water that I drank was the most amazing water in, in the world. You know, you know when, you do, when you do an absolute fast, you actually don't think about food. Food is the furthest thing from your mind. You dream about water, right? You dream about that glass. It was, it was like, it, was, it actually was glorious. I hope, I hope you can experience that someday, right? The third one is what we call a partial fast. And a partial fast is a, a restriction of diet rather than complete abstention in some way. And mo- I think most of our church members, we, we go through a partial fast, and so here are some examples in the scriptures. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 5, Daniel's friends choose vegetables and water to the king's choice food. And remember what happened afterwards uh, when they found out they, they were like fatter, right? They, they were actually looked healthier than the other uh, young men that were eating, you know, the best food that the king could offer and the best wine. They just had vegetables and water and they were healthier. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 3, Daniel says he's not going to eat any meat, he's not going to have any delicacies, and he's going to drink no wine. And that was his fast. Um, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah at the brook Cherith, he, all he eats is bread and meat that were delivered to him by a raven every morning. What an incredible diet that is. And then in Zarephath, uh, Elijah, he only eats cake. It basically, like if you think of cake, it's like a scone, uh, the idea. Uh, uh, from that's made out of the meal and the oil that God is just providing supernaturally during this time. And so there, there's, there's different ways of how to do this, this uh, partial fast. Um, one way is living exclusively on one type of food for the duration of a fast. So John Wesley was really famous for his bread fast. And all he would do, because remember, he would, he would fast on like three different days of the week, and he would just have bread and water, kind of like a prisoner, right? That's all, he would, that's all he would have. And so living exclusively on one type of food for the duration of the fast. And so you, you, you might say, you know what, uh, uh, this, this fast, I'm just going to eat vegetables. Uh, that's all. Um, there's another way of doing a partial fast, which is omitting a certain meal during the day. So Reese Howells, uh, a very uh, uh, well-known um, uh, intercessor, uh, he says he didn't take dinner for many days and spent the hour um, in that prayer with God. So he skipped dinner just to pray and seek God's face. Now, you know, sadly, I have to say this every year. If you don't eat breakfast, like you normally don't eat breakfast, then that's not really a fast because you don't really eat breakfast anyway. And so I'll get to, you know, talking about that a little bit later on. Um, and so, but there's also other forms of fasting. Uh, some of us uh, will probably do a media fast. I, look, I would really, really strongly encourage you, if you've never done that before, to do it. It, 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 it will revolutionize your, your fasting period. Right, because what most people do is, you know, the fasting that all they do is they go online and watch, you know, cooking videos, right, and stuff, or they, you know, they watch Gordon Ramsay make food, and 
It's, I know it's, it's like it's, you know, it's good for your eyes and stuff like that. Uh, but there's something else about just omitting all of that and just really seeking God during this time and just, just putting aside all the media. I mean, you know, for work, I know you have to go on the Internet. You have to do your, your emails. Of course, you, you have to do that. But outside of all those things, you know, all the videos and YouTube and Netflix and, and things you see, they just lay that down for a season to really seek God's face. You know, uh, some people have done like a sports fast. You know, they, they're really, really into certain sports, and so they want to lay that down uh, for the season. Uh, a lot of people go on social media fasts. Um, and, but listen, like, like a real quick tip, right? You don't have to announce to people that you're doing that. You know, you don't have to send out, a, hey, I'm going to be out for 21 days, you know. They don't care anyway, right? So just, just do it. Don't, don't draw attention to yourself, you know, that you're doing this spiritual thing. Um, and j- just, just, don't, just don't do anything for, you know, the 21 days. It's so easy. Uh, uh, some couples, uh, I mean, this is biblical. You might do a righteous sex fast. In other words, you have a legitimate, you know, reason because you're married to have sex and, and you choose not to during this season. You know, Peter talks about that and stuff. And, you know, of course, if you're single, you're on a sex fast as well. Amen? Okay. Only heard one person say that. All right. So let me read you this other quote by James Packer. This is what he says. He says, we tend to think of fasting as going without food, but we can fast from anything. If we love music and decide to miss a concert in order to spend time with God, that is fasting. It is helpful to think of the parallel of human friendship. When friends need to be together, they will cancel all of their activities in order to make that possible. There's nothing magical about fasting. It's just one way of telling God that your priority at that moment is to be alone with Him. Sorting out whatever is necessary, and you have canceled the meal, party, concert, or whatever else you had planned to do in order to fulfill that priority. I just like the way Packer says it. He just says, it's just, it's just telling this special friend, I just really want to be with you. And I'm just going to cancel everything that I had planned, right? You know, playing sports, you know, being on the internet, uh, watching Netflix, eating food. I'm going to cancel that just to be with you. And that's really the heart of fasting, The key there is to lay down something that's precious and meaningful to you for a time to devote yourself to God and to prayer. It's important. Remember, prayer or fasting without prayer is dieting. Turn to your neighbor, right? Say, hey, good looking, right? Fasting without prayer is dieting. That's That's really not what we're doing in this place. But it's key to understand our, our motives. Going back to the passage in Matthew 16, and look, what, look what Jesus says. He says, whenever you fast. Did you catch that? He didn't say if you choose to fast. He says whenever you fast. And the Matthew 6 uh, passage is actually the... The trifecta of, of Christian living. He's talking about fasting, he's talking about praying, and he's talking about giving. These, these are the, the three non-negotiables of Christian discipleship. 
what Jesus considers to be a disciple or his disciples. And so he says, he says, not when you fast or not if you fast. He says, when you fast, when you give, when you pray, right, when you fast. Jesus did not consider prayer optional. He did not consider giving optional. But he took, his, he took for granted that his disciples would recognize it as a vital necessity. Same as fasting. He stated unambiguously, categorically, and without qualification to the mass of his disciples, not just a select few. Remember, this is the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to everybody that's there. He's not just talking to his apostles, his prophets, you know, his leaders, his special people. He's telling everybody. He says, and when you fast, he left no doubt that, that he took for granted that his disciples would be exercised to obey the leading of the Spirit, just like in praying and just like in giving. And so, but while we do this, we need to check our hearts because motive plays a huge part. Fasting, so what is to be gained by that? Think about it. The first statement in the New Testament dealing with fasting, Jesus dealt with the question of motive. Let me read this. I think it's up on the screen. God is not merely concerned with what we do, but why we do it. A right act may be robbed of all of its value in the sight of God if it is done in a wrong motive. The reasons that you do it is very important. Many times, fasting could be self-centeredness under a cloak of piety. Isaiah 58, one of the most famous Old Testament passages on this in verse 3, says, Why have you fasted? Uh, why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Basically, he's saying that this fast, right? God's saying, you didn't do it for me. You did it for yourselves. Nothing really changed. It's self-centeredness under the cloak of piety. It reminds us of the publican. Remember the publican and the Pharisee, the tax gatherer and the Pharisee of Luke 18, uh, verse 11. Remember the, the Pharisee's praying to himself. He's, he's thinking to himself. He says, man... Thank you, I'm not like this guy, right? I, mean, I fast twice a week. I give all my... You know, it's, it's, it's self-centeredness under a cloak of piety. And so we need to make sure that if we're going to do this, that we do this with the right motives. An acceptable fast is the one that he chooses. Brothers and sisters, this year, right, as we're praying and seeking God, don't, don't choose the one that's easiest for you to do. Don't choose the one that's the most convenient for you to do. Choose the one that God asks you to do. It's, it's really simple. Let it not be said of us during this season, as said in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5. Oh, this is painful. It says, when you fasted, was it actually for me that you fasted? Don't let it just be an annual religious exercise. Let's put our heart into this thing. Joel cried out and he said, sanctify a fast. In other words, set it apart for God. In Luke 2.37, Anna was worshiping the Lord in fasting. 
In Acts 13.2, the church in Antioch was worshiping the Lord and fasting. God's chosen fast, this is what we wanted to do, is that which he appointed, set apart for him, to minister to him, to honor him, to glorify him, and designed to accomplish his sovereign will. He says, and then we shall find heaven's afterthought that the fast unto God rebounds in blessing. We're not fasting to receive a blessing. We're fasting because he deserves it. We're fasting to honor God. We're fasting to set apart this time. But God being the gracious father, he will release blessing to us. Going back to the Packer quote, ultimately, fasting is about intimacy. When friends need to be together, what do they do? They cancel all of their activities in order to make that possible. Fasting is a powerful way of telling God that your priority at that moment is to be alone with him. Sorting out whatever is necessary. Canceling the meal, canceling the party, canceling whatever engagement that you had, you know, working out, whatever outing that you had, whatever else you had planned to do in order to fulfill that priority. It's important. Some guys know I went to L.A. Um, and uh, uh, my my college roommate uh, passed away and so went and, and had the, uh, the funeral service and a very inconvenient time, um, but it was important for me to go. Um, one of my friends who's a pastor in Washington, and we're all, we're all suite mates together. We all, we all share the same suite uh, in, um, when we were all juniors uh, at the university, and uh, we all became best friends. And, uh, and he, he, he told me this story uh, that there was a, um, when his, his, mom, his mom died about six months uh, um, uh, after my mom passed away. So, so we, we have a, a kind of a special bond uh, during this time. I remember um, about a year after our moms passed away, I happened to be in Atlanta, Georgia, attending a Christian conference. And I didn't know he was there. And he was there. And so we, we didn't know. And so we met each other, and we were shocked. Hey, man, what are you doing, man? And so we hung out. And so during the session, uh, we went out to the parking lot, and we just found our, a little piece of grass and uh, um, it was, it was uh, uh, so healing and so soothing, you know, about a month after our moms had passed. And two grown men, right? I mean, two grown men, and we were sitting in the parking lot bawling uh, because we were just sharing stories about our mothers. And uh, so healing, right? And so this is, this is my friend Rick. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so he told me this story. When his mom passed away, uh, there was a friend of his dad's. Um, they, they actually really didn't know very well. Um, and uh, and he, he had come from a very long distance uh, to come to the funeral. And, you know, the dad asked, so what are you doing here? You know, and, uh, and, just, and, he, and he, just, he just simply said, I'm just here to be with you guys. I, th- I just felt it was important just to be here. You don't have to do anything for me. You know, I'm just, I just came to support you and just to be here for you. And this is important. And, uh, uh, and it made such an impact on Rick's life. And so after that, uh, he, so he, just, he just made it a point. He says, I'm not going to miss any wedding. I'm not going to miss any funeral. It doesn't matter how busy, crazy my schedule is. I'm going to make sure I show up. I'm going to cancel whatever. And, and he, he had to cancel a retreat. You know, 
I had to cancel our EG retreat. Uh, I felt so bad uh, for our EG uh, uh, participants during that season, but they were so gracious. And so cancel it. And he says it's because it's important to be there. Uh, brothers and sisters, there are seasons in our lives where it's really important to show up. It's just really important to show up. It's important to be there. It's, it's important to sacrifice our time. And fasting, this season, when we start this new year, that's really what it's about. That's the heart of it. We're saying, Lord, it's important that we start the year off with you. It's important that we start and we align ourselves with God and the things of God instead of my work, instead of my hobbies, instead of all these things that preoccupy our time. God, we want, the, we want to start this year with you. And we want to put you in the center where you rightfully belong. Lord, this year I put so many things in the center. God, I want to remove all that stuff and I want to start this year with you in the center. That's why we fast. That's why we gather the people together. This is what it's all about. Let me close with, with uh, uh, the story of David. You know, uh, David, I don't have my Bible here, but in, in 2 Samuel 24, 24, it says this. He says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So if you know this story of 2 Samuel 24, what happens is, uh, the, uh, uh, they need to do a sacrifice. You know, David kind of messed up a little bit, and so they need to, to appease God with the sacrifice. And so he tells him to go to the threshing floor of Aruna. And so he finds his way there. When the king is entering into this, this you know, countryman's land, he comes out and he's so shocked. Oh, King David, what are you doing here? And David says, well, you know, I need to, I need to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And so Aruna, being a humble servant, says, oh, okay, you know, what do you need, right? I'll give you whatever you need, the, the land, you know, the wood, the, the animals, whatever you need. I'll, I'll take care of this for you. And this is when David, and this is why I realized, you know, like a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? This, this is a man after God's own heart. This is why David is David. And so he comes and, and Aruna offers him all these things. So you can have it for free. It's my honor to give this to you, O king. And David says, no. He says, no, I'll never offer something to God which costs me nothing. In other words, it's, I'm, I'm, I, I want to pay myself. It's, it has to cost me something. That's because it's, it's meaningful to me. That's why, you know, going back to what I said, if you don't eat breakfast and you say, okay, I'm going to fast breakfast, clearly that's not very meaningful to you. So it's not very meaningful to God either. Right? You know, some would say, you know what? You know, I'm going to, okay, this year I'm going to fast chicken feet. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. I can't stand chicken feet. Right? I'm not going to fast that. It means nothing to me. It means nothing to me. It means nothing to God. This is so clear. I will not offer burnt offerings to my Lord, my God, which costs me nothing. Brothers and sisters, what's important to you? What can you lay down? Not forever. 21 days, three weeks. It goes by quick, right? You know, and not only the benefits to your body and your mind and your sharpness and your spirit, all so many benefits, but simple. 
Just simple season right now. But to lay down something that means something to you. For me, I love food, right? I love food, right? I, I, I love watching TV, right? I love uh, entertainment. I, I, there's a lot of different things. And I'm gonna, willing to lay down for this season, right? And not just for my own benefits, but to join this church. Because that's what this church is doing. And we're going to gather together in the mornings, and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for our churches around the world. Right? We're, going to, we're going to pray for people in our church and ask God to lift them up. That's why we're doing it. Let me invite the worship team to come. Brothers and sisters, let's not offer anything to the Lord in 2024 that costs us nothing. Amen? Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Remember, it's not what can I do, but what is God asking you to do? The first thing you need to do is say, God, what kind of fast do you want me to do? And then just simply obey. Simply obey. And start organizing your time. Wake up a little early. Come out and pray together. I'll be going through the Gospels in the mornings and we'll be praying together. You know the key to waking up early for morning prayer? This is, it's, it's ingenious. The key to waking up early is going to sleep early. There's no shortcuts. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What does God want you to do in this season to join the church as we fight the good fight? And as the worship team leads us, I encourage you to just keep talking to the Lord about it.
our feet and let's sing together. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness, you are there. In the secret, in the quiet hour, I wait only for you. Someone's hand and, and go across the aisles if you want. And in the last service of 2023, uh, let's just pray for one another. Uh, let's pray for just the goodness of God to be upon them in this new year. Let's pray that whatever regrets they may have, whatever disappointments, they would just lay that at the feet of Jesus, and that there would be so much hope. So much joy going into 2024. Huh? Let's lift each other up right now.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, for uh, another year, Lord. It's unbelievable, God, that you saw us through. Uh, You've been so, so faithful to us. But I'm sure among some of us here, God, that there are also some low points, God. There were some disappointments, some hardships. Lord, but thank you that you were with us the whole time. You never left us, God. You sustained us and gave us the strength to be overcomers, Lord. And now as we look forward to 2024, God, we want to start the year consecrated. We want to start the year sacrificially, God. We want to start by saying, Lord, that you are the most important person in our lives, God. And Lord, and it's not just words, God. We're going to live it out, particularly by coming to you in the mornings, God, and fasting together as a body. Lord, you mean the world to us, Lord. We want to show it, God, through our behavior. Thank you, Lord. Would you give us the strength, God, that we need for this next year, God, in our lives? Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to him. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, shalom, from this day forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Hey, say thank your neighbor for praying for you. Please come out tonight, 9 o'clock. The doors open at 8. There will be some photo booths and some food. And so come and enjoy. If you need any prayer, our well ministers will pray for you in the front. All right, God bless you guys.